At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Inside the Green Zone, presented by Bet G- uh, MGM. Dave Ross here at Circa. We've got Wes Reynolds over there at Mandalay Bay. And uh, Wes, just keeping an eye on what's going on now. They've gone to the half in L.A. in that pivotal game seven. And right now the Clippers looking pretty darn good, up 70-62, to 62, getting a lot of points, which is making our producer very happy. Uh, what would you make of that first half? Look, Dallas had the lead after one, and they're pretty good, their record, when they lead after one. But now they're down eight at the second half, and even though they've got 62 points here in the first half, they are not stopping the Clippers here uh, as that is ticking certainly towards the over there. What would you make of the first half from what you could glean? Yeah, Luka's doing all he can right now, 29 points and 7 assists, 3 rebounds, but only one other guy in double figures, and it's been the guy that's been absent all series, Kristaps Porzingis with 12 points. But second-half numbers are now up at BetMGM, 104 the second-half total, so basically adjusted to 236, so obviously much better than you got pre-flop at 211.5 if you bet that over like our producer Matt Never did. Clippers minus one for the second half, so adjusted number minus nine for the game. And really, the Clippers, finally, we've kind of been waiting for them to see when they're going to make shots. Absolutely. They're making a lot of them today, 24-31, 63%, 11 of 19 from the three, perfect from the foul line at 11 for 11. And it's really, it's not been just a one-man show. Kawhi, 13, Paul George, 13, Terrence Mann with 13 off the bench, Batum and Morris are just under double figures in the first half. So all of a sudden, the shots are kind of falling. That's kind of what we talked about, Dave, in terms of the preview of the game. It's like the Clippers really, you know, haven't made shots. It seems like they've been the better team in this series, but the Dallas Mavericks have shot the ball better. And, you know, I don't like that cliche make or miss league. If JBT were listening, he would hammer me for saying that because that's always kind of a running joke. But, uh, you know, it essentially is kind of boiled down to it, at least for this game. Clippers are finally shooting the ball very well. It's not Dallas is shooting badly. They are from the perimeter, though. 5 of 19, 26%. That's not going to get it done. They're going to have to find some guys, make some perimeter shots. Uh, Tim Hardaway, I guess, did return from the game uh, after that injury, but he is 0 for 6 from the 3, and only two guys have made threes today, Luka Doncic and Dorian Finney-Smith. Hardaway is going to need to hit some, maybe even Porzingis uh, to hit some. Basically, Dallas getting nothing from their bench, only four points from that bench, while the Clippers uh, are getting 19 off their bench, largely off Terrence Mann, 13 points. And that's the thing now, when you look at the Clippers, if they hold on to this in the second half with that eight-point lead, and Wes, I get the feeling like this is the Clipper team that most people believe they would see in this postseason. They haven't seen it up to the last two games. And I just wonder, do you think the public will jump on the Clippers? I know, again, Utah is the one seed. But if this holds, I know it's trouble for the rest of the Western Conference, but what about the betting public? Do you think they're going to back the Clippers now that the Lakers are out? 
I do. And look, they, they tanked. I mean, they basically put you, me, and Matt Neverett out there in that lineup <laughs> the final couple games of the season because they wanted to be that four seed and not meet the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals. And now they don't have that problem. And look, you have a Denver team that, that, that is a little bit injured. You have a Phoenix team that's never really been in this situation. Uh, first time in the playoffs in several years. Chris Paul dealing with that shoulder injury. And you also have a Utah team that now they have expectations as the number one seed. So a lot of people, and I really like the Clippers to come out of the West before the playoffs started. Now maybe they got their scare. Now usually teams that have to go seven games aren't necessarily bet on teams in game one. So, like, if you're looking at a Clippers-Utah series, maybe you wait and see if the Clippers, if they so advance, obviously still 24 minutes to play, if they go ahead and advance, then maybe you want to look for the Clippers if they lose that first game then maybe get them at even more plus money for that uh, series bet if you want to do that going forward. Yeah, and we had Tim Doyle on the program yesterday. Timmy told me before this postseason started he really liked the Clippers to win the NBA championship. And I know right now the, the public belief is that the best teams are out east. But the way the Clippers have played for the last game and a half so far, this is the danger, I think, that the rest of the NBA and certainly Tim Doyle saw that maybe they could be the very best team. So maybe some value there if you believe in this second half to take them to go on, not only get out of the West, but possibly win the NBA championship. I know that sounds crazy to say. Of course, you are inside the Green Zone, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here at Circa. Wes Reynolds is over at Mandalay Bay. And, Wes, before we go into the uh, Suns and Nuggets, I do want to update uh, the Nets and the Bucks now because you mentioned the news by Shams Charania at a stadium that James Harden will not be available in Game 2. So the series prop odds have dropped. So the Nets earlier today were minus 250, and now that's down to minus 225. The Bucks in the comeback at plus 175. And you've seen that around 2 or 1 for the Game 2 uh, line there. Wes, what do you make of that? It's not just a subtle move. That really, I believe, accounts for Harden's absence in Game 2, does it not? Yeah, it does. And and you've also seen the adjustment with the total. I think it closed, what, 239.5? Right. Looked like it was on an overpace. And, and that's what I've kind of been playing during the regular season. You get these high-scoring first halves. And then all of a sudden, that gives you some value if you want to go with the second half under. And that was easy money last night with Milwaukee and Brooklyn not even approaching that total. So 239.5. Now it goes down to 234.5 in terms of the overnight. And even seeing as low as 233.5 in the market probably will continue to drop a little bit, I think, with the Harden news. So that's a big adjustment from game to game. Usually I like to play opposite of those adjustments. Not sure what I'm going to do going forward. But going to the Bucks side last night, one of the things I saw with their play, and Draymond Green did a good job of illustrating this on the TNT broadcast last night. Milwaukee, really on offense, they're using Giannis too much as the ball handler right. in the pick and roll. And it's like, you got to use him as a screener sometimes. <laughs> you can't just use him because, look, nobody's going to check him one-on-one, but they can double him, and, and they can force him into turnovers. And you kind of saw that a little bit last night. So Mike Budenholzer is going to have to make those adjustments because the Nets, even against a, a Giannis that averaged 39 points in the regular season meetings against the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to be able to make adjustment to that. And you kind of saw that last night. So it's up to Milwaukee to kind of adjust to the adjustment. But, you know, it was four last night. 
So essentially with James Harden uh, not going to be able to go, you're seeing a two, two and a half point difference. And that seems about right to me for a star player. We kind of saw a little bit of that with Embiid today, even though the Atlanta Hawks get the win, that line did move up to four and a half at the close of business. I, I wonder, Wes, just with Brooklyn and their mentality going forward up one game to none, not knowing now that certainly James Harden out for game two, but not knowing really his availability going forward for the rest of this series. But they've had this scenario with the big three so often where one of the big three, two of the big three don't play for, for a myriad of reasons here. If you're a better and a backer of Brooklyn, would this not, I hopefully not scare you off because you saw it so you saw it so often in the regular season that even going forward, if he's out for a couple of games that you still think it's a smart ticket to hold. Well, yeah, I think if you're Brooklyn backers, you still should feel a little bit of confidence, even though I, I have the bucks for the series. Uh, and now I'm, you know, made the adjusted bet as well. But I think if you're Brooklyn, look, you got to win already. You know that you've played without these guys right. uh, really throughout most of the season. So that's where obviously you're going to need Joe Harris to be step up even more than he already has. And he's been very good. And we've talked about when he was on the floor with Kyrie, KD, and also James Harden, they're like a plus 18 on the net rating with Joe Harris with this three-point shooting. So, you know, I don't think that this should necessarily be a scare for the Brooklyn Nets to get off just yet. So don't necessarily panic. This is going to be a long series. I think this is going to go seven games. That's why I played the plus one and a half on the Bucks minus $1.35 for the series. Uh, really quickly, Dallas on a good run here to mm-hmm. start the second half. So let me update the end game price here at BetMGM. 10.45 left to go, just about a minute 15, an 8-2 run for Dallas to start out, now just a two-point game. Adjusted in price line now, minus 5.5 for the Clippers, minus 250 on the money line, take back on Dallas, plus $2, 240.5 now the adjusted in-game total. If Dallas come back, comes back and win this, wins this, I'm going to blame Tim Doyle for me speaking his name about the Clippers <laughs> winning the NBA championship because it was right as I was saying that, here come the Mavs, uh, as you mentioned. You see right there now. Boy, 241 and a half. You got to feel pretty good if you had it uh, pregame as our producer did. So uh, this posted total going way, way over, at least at this current pace right now. But again, we'll keep a watchful eye uh, as you alluded to, Wes. Right now, 7270, 10 and a half minutes to go in the third. Let's stay out west and look at Phoenix in Denver as they get ready to start up their series here. And the Suns are rather large favorite here, minus 185. The Nuggets plus 155 on the comeback. Just when you look overall, uh, at this series, and, and I guess we get the feeling that Chris Paul and his health, and really, boy, the postseason, we're always talking about a major star and their health, which with a question mark. Uh, obviously, he played well enough, and they, they tried to get him some rest in the last series as they took care of the defending champs. What do you make of that line, and, and does that scare you? You see now at, at minus 225 and Denver at plus 180. Uh, are, are you scared off a little bit about the notion of Chris Paul maybe not being at full strength? I'm actually not because Denver has their own injury right. concerns. And now you're starting to see some $2 in terms of that series price. I know 225 was the opener, and that's what's on the graphic. But I believe I'm seeing some $2 in the market. At $2 or less, I'm not opposed, and I actually will probably be on the Phoenix Suns in this series because if you look at where we are right now, Chris Paul has had three extra days now to rest. Right. And I think that obviously is going to help them and allow that shoulder to heal. Denver maybe not going to benefit so much from this layoff because 
it looks like they're at least not getting Will Barton or P.J. Dozier back for game one. So basically that backcourt now is Monty Morris, Austin Rivers, and Campazzo. So the depth is going to be tested for Denver. Now, they had a mismatch against the backcourt. A lot of people didn't think they were going to get by Portland. How are you going to get by Dame and C.J. McCollum? Mm-hmm. And they went ahead and did so in six games. So this is not, I guess, new territory for the Denver Nuggets, but that's going to be an issue. Nevertheless, the Suns are going to have an issue guarding the likely MVP, Nikola Jokic. Uh, uh, you look at what he did against Portland in that series, 33 points, 10.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists per game, shot about 53% or and change over. Uh, really in the series and did the same thing to Phoenix during the regular season. The stat line was 25.7, 13.7, and 8.3 on assists at about 51% shooting. So, look, he's going to be a tough cover for the Phoenix Suns. We'll see if DeAndre Ayton is up for that smoke in terms of <laughs> handling that off, handling that defensive assignment because uh, uh, Phoenix will give up uh, their fair share at the rim. I think they were 24th in the league in terms of defense at the rim at 65.5%. So you've got to think that Jokic is going to get his. Uh, but at the same time, Devin Booker's going to put up big numbers. Right. And he just had a great series against the Lakers, 30 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists a game. And then he had that 47 points in the game clinching, uh, or the series clinching, rather, game 6. So now you get to face a backcourt that I mentioned their depth lacking. We don't know when Barton and Dozier are going to be back. We know it's probably not going to be for tomorrow night in game one. And look, Damian Lillard absolutely destroyed these guys in that series <laughs> with that double nickel he put up in game, in game five, even though Portland ended up uh, losing the series. But Campazzo is obviously a smaller guy than Booker, so Booker's about seven inches taller. He and Austin Rivers are not the best defenders anyway. Morris is okay on defense, but I don't think he's exactly going to put the clamps on Devin Booker. And then you do have a Chris Paul that, you know, you still got to respect him offensively. I know he didn't put up very good, big numbers against the Lakers, partially because of the, the injury and whatnot, but he's still effective in running the offense. He's still getting his assists. And the one thing about Chris Paul is he doesn't work by the hour. You get a lot of these younger guards <laughs> that are going to go ahead and really try to speed it up and, and go up tempo. He takes his time. Yes, he does. He walks the ball up the floor. He looks at the vision, and he has very good vision. So he's not in a hurry to try to get this team to an offense. So I'm going to be interested to watch in this series going forward in terms of the pace of these games. 219.5 is the total right now, and I don't know if I'm going to end up playing the total on game one, but I do want to see if Chris Paul is going to slow it down a little bit. I think he knows he's got a Denver backcourt that's banged up, so, you know, make them work. Make longer possessions. Make them work on defense. Don't just go up and shoot the first open shot five or six seconds in the clock. Make them guys play 20 to 24 seconds of defense every time out and really wear these guys down a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see, I think, if Phoenix is going to go ahead and do that. And you wonder when Denver finally kind of hits that wall with the injuries. We know Jamal Murray out for the season. He's already been out for about a month and a half. And if Barton and Dozier don't come back soon in this series, I just don't know 
how they are going to be able to fare in the backcourt being so shorthanded and these guys that are reserves like Campazzo and like Rivers having to play these starters minutes that are used to playing reserve minutes. Yeah, great point. I'm picking up what you're putting down about uh, CP3. It's not his first rodeo here, but it would be his first run to the Western Conference Final if they can get through Denver. Quick update here. Dallas has the lead. They had a a five-point lead here, but a three by the Clippers is just cut into that gap. 81-79 with six and a half to go here in the third. So this is, you know, Wes, we had a wild end of the show yesterday uh, on the green zone and with the hockey game with eight goals scored in that second period. Looks like we're going to have another wild one here mm-hmm. in game seven down the stretch. So if you're an in-game better here, just hold on, buckle up, because this thing is going back and forth. Again, the Clippers were at eight and a half at halftime. That looks like a terrible play right now as Dallas has that two-point lead uh, with six minutes to go. Uh, Back to Phoenix very quickly, and again, I'm looking ahead here because we don't know what's going to happen with this Game 7, but certainly for Phoenix, if they are healthy enough and you do like them, and I know you're backing them against Denver there, whether it is Dallas or the Clippers in that scenario, what about the odds to come out of the West? Do you like Phoenix there even longer term than just the short series price against Denver? I still like the Clippers, assuming they can get through this game. Obviously, that'll take it out of the question if they go in and lose here. But uh, I would still be prone to like the Clippers a little bit because when Phoenix, even though I like them in the series against Denver, now all of a sudden you're in the Western Conference Finals and you've got a team that maybe maybe it's a good thing that they don't know any better. Right? They don't know that they're supposed to run. They're they're supposed to get eliminated at some point in these Western Conference playoffs, but. You look at a team like the Clippers, if they get through this game, by the way, midway through the third quarter, all tied at 81, and the Clippers have been through the playoff pain. They clearly went through it last year when Denver upset them in in, in the Western Conference playoffs in the semifinals. So they've been through the pain a little bit. And you get a team like Phoenix that hasn't been through because that's kind of what I always talk about with like golf majors with some of these young guys, especially these guys that are winning at 21 and 22 years old. I oftentimes think, you know what, they need to get close one time and then fail. And then they need that pain and they need that learning experience going forward. So. That's the way I kind of always treat it as the Clippers now on a 7-0 run over the last uh, minute 15, now take a two-point lead. But I do think Phoenix, going back to this series, just kind of put a cap on it. I, I like their position a lot better, even with Chris Paul. Still not, I guess, 100%, but he's had three days to have that shoulder heal. Denver is just so shorthanded in the backcourt. I just think that they're going to have all kind of problems guarding Devin Booker. They certainly had it guarding Damian Lillard. Yeah, and right now Utah awaiting the winner of this wild one, this game seven, as you mentioned, with the Clippers up by two. But again, if Phoenix does get through Denver, it's very interesting to, to look at the potential matchups here, uh, certainly for Utah against either one of these teams as the Clippers now have a five-point lead and kind of increase that a little bit as Utah does await this. Uh, very quickly to that end, because I do feel like obviously when Phoenix knocks off the Lakers, everybody starts hopping on that Phoenix bandwagon, and for good reason, uh, obviously, when you have that veteran leadership in CP3 and a superstar in Devin Booker. Is Utah the forgotten one seed here? As we, you know, we talk about the Clippers, and we talk about everybody else, and they just sit quietly and wait. Do you think they're, they're in a really good spot without a lot of public, it feels like not a lot of public money going their way? Yeah, I do think they are the forgotten one seed here. And and, and look, uh, they've been through tough series over the years as well. But this is a very well-coached team. Quinn Snyder has done a good job. If you look at the last couple years, kind of Utah 
I guess, at least their bugaboo a bit, has been they can't score in the final few minutes. And, and you know, the offense just kind of goes to a slog. Well, that's not necessarily the case anymore. They've obviously been very good defensively. You have one of the best rim protectors in all of the NBA, a former defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. So, look. You can gamble a little bit when you have a go bear down there right. that can erase shots and, and get so many rebounds, not only block shots, but alter shots and force turnovers. So your backcourt can gamble a little bit, and that's what Utah, I think, is willing to do, even though they do have some very good backcourt defenders with Donovan Mitchell and with Michael Conley Jr. They also have guys that can shoot the three. Those guys, Joel Engels, uh, Bogdanovich. So they can spread that floor out and now shoot the outside shot where they don't have to worry about kind of going into a shell offensively in the final four minutes. So they absolutely are, I think, the forgotten one seed here in this uh, playoff tournament. And they just get more and more rest, and Donovan Mitchell is back and seemingly back to 100%. So whoever survives this slugfest between the clip joint and the Mavs, they're going to have their hands full when they go against Utah, certainly in that game one. They're not going to have a whole lot of fresh legs as Utah sits there and waits for the winner. Very quickly, want to update what's going on at the Memorial. Again, if you've got some live action there, hopefully you've got it on Colin Morikawa. He has just taken the outright lead at 13 under. Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, uh, just a shot back now as they those three come down the home stretch here at the Memorial. We'll have much more on that uh, with Wes uh, after a, a short break here. But uh, getting back very quickly to the NBA here, uh, West, would you think about with as wild as this third quarter has been uh, out West with the Clippers, would you think about hopping in with Dallas? Because it feels like a seesaw back and forth here with the Clippers right now on the top of that seesaw. Yeah, right now you are basically kind of getting pre-flop here. I'm seeing some sixes in the market here on the Clippers, and it was either six or six and a half depending on the close. Just looking at the minutes here, basically all the stars at like 28, 29 minutes. So looking at that pattern, would lean to Dallas here in this spot. I'm already on them plus seven for the game, but you're basically getting close to what you would have gotten before this game tipped off. Yeah, not too shabby right now. We'll keep a watchful eye on that and everything going on at the Memorial and Major League Baseball when you come back with us right here inside the Green Zone on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Green Zone, Dave Ross with Wes Reynolds. And Wes, just kind of taking a look at everything going on right now as a 12-2 run for the Clippers here. They have an 88-83 lead right now. Luka Doncic going to the free throw line as a Mav try to tighten that thing up. Kyle Morikawa right now, one-shot lead uh, over Patrick Cantlay and Scotty Scheffler. That's at the Memorial. We did have a lot of finals already in Major League Baseball. And one game, too, that, that you mentioned in the break we kind of written it off. The Reds with a seven nothing lead over uh, uh, with a seven nothing lead over St. Louis, and the Cardinals have come all the way back to tie that game up at seven. 
those odds must have been astronomical if you dared hop in down seven zip. And also one other note with a White Sox win today, Tony Larusa now second all-time uh, wins leader as a manager, uh, 27-64 to pass John McGraw, Connie Mack, the legend, with 3,731 victories, still number one in the books. Tony's got a long way to go, but he's got a good White Sox team there. Uh, what do you make so far of the results you've seen in Major League Baseball? Yeah, and we talked about that the regression monster did come for John Gant, but it did not come for the Reds' bullpen as they gave up seven runs in the bottom of the sixth inning. Now seven to seven here. Top of the eighth, that would be an absolutely horrible beat if you took the Reds like I did. I did have some first five as well, but seven to seven all of a sudden. uh, John Gant, because that XFIP discrepancy was about three and a half runs from that ERA, certainly the Reds were able to tee off on him, but... Not getting it done right now as we are all tied at seven. I mentioned a couple finals. Uh, Astros, by the way, did get that 6-3 win in Toronto. Braves 4-2 over the Dodgers. They take 2-3. White Sox, you mentioned 3-zip. Also 2-1 in what's been an over-series, a very low-scoring game between the Twins and the Kansas City Royals. And the Brewers get it done 2-0, and the Diamondbacks continue to follow on hard times. I don't even know what their losing streak is. I've kind of stopped <laughs> keeping track because it's like you're just assuming because now you're seeing this team be $2 underdogs essentially every single day. Right. And especially against a team like Milwaukee that doesn't hit very well but can shut you down on the mound. And the Arizona Diamondbacks have been absolutely dreadful. They're kind of – sometimes you get those teams, Dave, and whatever sports you're looking at that are kind of like – Unbettable, and I never want to designate a team as unbettable because sometimes you got to go where the stink is, and you got to take some <laughs> of the the mangy mutts or the the ugly unwanted dogs, if you will. But this Arizona team is darn near a stick way from this point. Either bet against them or leave it alone. Yeah, very smart. And again, uh, updating Game Seven right now. Kawhi is doing his thing, much like he did in Game Six, taking over this third quarter right now. A double-digit lead for the Clippers. Uh, And right now, uh, he's got eight in the quarter. He had 13 in the first half, so up to 21, trying to make it 22 with a three-point play the old-fashioned way. Uh, He connects. It's an 11-point lead right now, so that's looking pretty darn good for the Clippers. Hey, I mentioned the Metropolitans. Uh, Right now, you see here, they're up 2-0, and they came in. You could get a pretty good uh, money line play. They were plus 130, and right now, it looks pretty darn good out there out west, and we've talked a lot about the Mets today, and you know, still leading that NL East, and looking good so far. Um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but I still am as a, you know, as a Met fan with scar tissue here. But, you know, Marcus Stroman with another good outing so far today and the Mets getting just enough offense, West to potentially cash another ticket for you. Yeah, we thought that price was a little bit high, and I went ahead and played it. I found $1.40 on the Mets today and mentioned uh, about the fact that they have so many of these backups in the lineups a little bit, some injuries. Billy McKinney wasn't even on the team. He got uh, designated for assignment at his previous stop. He's a leadoff man now for the Mets and does already have an RBI scoring Peraza in the third Dominic Smith with the solo shot in the fourth, so two to nothing. And we're getting the good Marcus Stroman. I think by and large he's been more good and bad than this year, but he's been a little inconsistent. But so far through three and a third, he's got four strikeouts, only given up two hits. So the strikeout's better than the walks. And I mentioned both the strikeout rate and the walk rate are up this season, but he could uh, use a, a little bit to punch out a couple more guys and certainly doing it so far today in San Diego. Yeah, I was keeping an eye also on that Cubs game against San Diego, excuse me, against San Francisco. That game is tied up 
right now at three. Uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, took to the bump today for the Cubs. They're really a hard team to figure out because I think before the year we looked at the Cubs and thought, well, they're not really going to contend. But there they are, uh, hanging tough in that central division there. Uh, what do you make of what you've seen of the Cubs today and so far this season? Well, what I guess you got to make, I guess the uh, the topic today would be wisdom. Johnny Cueto getting his wisdom teeth pulled by <laughs> wisdom for the Chicago Cubs because he has two shots of uh, two home run shots a day. So he's driven in all three runs and now three to three here in the top of the fifth as the Cubbies trying to avoid the sweep in the bay. Uh, we talked a little bit at the top of the show, Wes, about the trade with Julio Jones and how it affects those teams. What about the rest of the NFL? I'm going to dive into some props for teams to win their divisions when you come back with us right here on the Green Zone on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. on VEASAN.com. Every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game. Check this daily info to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge. And of course, we'll have all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. Start your next sports bet at VEASAN.com. Dave Ross back with you here at Circa, and Wes Reynolds is over at Mandalay Bay, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, what an end of the third quarter for the Clippers. They ended it on a 24-4 run. They have a 15-point lead right now at 185 as we get ready to go into the fourth quarter, what could be the final quarter of the Mavericks season if they do not rally. Uh, So, boy, we're going to keep our eye on that, and of course, Colin Morkow is still the leader at the Memorial. But, Wes, I did want to get into the NFL uh, very quickly, and we talked off the top of the show about Julio Jones and the move that that made there, certainly for Tennessee, uh, as their odds came down to win uh, the AFC and certainly the Super Bowl. But you look at the rest of the AFC right now, and again, the Titans and Colts still the favorites at plus 105 to win that South. Uh, and you look at the, the Jags, obviously a, a distant uh, team at 12-1, but the Texans at 20-1, to certainly with a quarterback uncertainty there. Is this, in your eyes, a two-horse race in the South after the news today of Julio Jones? Yeah, it is, and I thought it was even before the news of this trade because I do think you have the Colts, who were a playoff team uh, last year. Now, obviously, Carson Wentz in, Phillip Rivers out, now retiring and uh, coaching some high school football. But (laughs) if anybody, I think, can maybe get Carson Wentz to find at least somewhere close to his previous form of a few years ago, I think it would be Frank Reich. Uh, A lot of it was on Carson Wentz and hadn't been the same since those injuries, but he was behind a very poor offensive line there in Philadelphia that really did him no favors. One of the strengths of the Indianapolis Colts team is obviously their offensive line with Quentin Nelson, with Ryan Kelly. These are guys that were both first-round draft picks. uh, And so the interior of that line is very strong. They went ahead and signed Eric Fisher who, of course, had the Achilles injury for Kansas City, ended up missing deep into the playoffs and obviously their appearance in the Super Bowl. So 
We'll see. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go ahead and start the season for the Colts, but certainly I think Sam TV is going to get the first crack at left tackle, but I think that they want Eric Fisher to go ahead and take that job. This is a very strong offensive line. I still lean a little bit to the Colts, but it's basically a coin flip between these two teams. Now let's go to another division that should be hotly contested. That's the AFC North when you look at the Ravens and the Browns right now. We saw the Browns with that great playoff run last year coming up short against Kansas City. But the Ravens right now the favorite at plus 115. Browns there at plus 150. Steelers, uh, boy, how about the Steelers a long shot at plus 400? You normally don't see a number like that uh, just to win the division. And then the Bengals at 16-1. to What do you make there? Uh, are you buying in on Cleveland that Baker is – now the new Baker Mayfield, and, and maybe you trust him a little bit more, are you still going with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to, to hold the top form of this division? I'm cautiously buying in on the Cleveland Browns. I'm actually – I'm not very high on the Ravens. I, do, I don't even know. I mean, I guess they're the rightful favorite of the division, but – I need to see some development from Lamar Jackson. Now it's kind of time, okay? <laughs> Teams are going to eventually figure out how to defend you. You've got to make some plays down the field. And, look, the Baltimore Ravens always draft well. It seems like on draft night, if, if you're not a fan of that team, you're always like, dang it, that's a pick we should have made. That's such a good <laughs> pick for the Ravens. They're always so good all the way back to the days where Ozzie Newsom was running the yeah. show there in Baltimore. But – I'm still not high on this team. They'll still have a very good defense, but, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, is got, has got to take that next step this season. The Steelers at 4-1, to one, look, we saw Ben maybe show some signs of age. I think that was a little bit because of the offensive line and the fact that they were one of the worst running teams in the National Football League and absolutely could not run the ball, and that's why they went ahead and drafted Travis Etienne. So... You know, you've got to see, or not not Travis Etienne, I should say, the uh, running back from Alabama, Najee Harris. Yes. My mistake there. But uh, they've got to be able to run the ball and give Ben some time to find some receivers down the field. Pittsburgh has a, a championship defense. The offense just kind of has to be okay for this team to make a run in the AFC. It's just stunning to see that and to actually make that statement. But you're right. We saw the regression with Big Ben last year, and Najee Harris is going to be a big key to that offense, they get him in space like they did at Alabama. Uh, right now, to round out the AFC, the Bills, a solid favorite, at minus 155 to repeat as champions of the East with the Dolphins, the next biggest pursuer, at plus 325. And, of course, as expected, Pat Mahomes and company uh, with Kansas City, minus 275 to win the AFC West with the Broncos a distant second. Let's go to the NFC East. I think this is intriguing, Wes, because you never repeat in the NFC East historically, right? And Washington won it last year, so they are not the favorite this year at plus 300. The Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott back, uh, they are even money to win this division. Uh, the Eagles, surprisingly to me, at plus 425, I say surprisingly because I actually think the Giants at plus 500 mm -hmm. might be a better value than the Eagles at plus 425. What do you make of this division? Yeah, I mean, Dallas is the rightful favorite because I think they have the most talent. You saw what they did in the draft. They pretty much went all defense, and they needed to, This, especially in the secondary. This pass defense was absolutely horrible, and now they are getting the kid Parsons from Penn State, hopefully for them to take over for Sean Lee, who is now retired. Dak going to be back, but... The Cowboys at even, I just don't know if I could fall into that. I would need a little bit more to get involved on them. Rightful favorites, but I agree with your assessment, Dave, on, on the Giants. I think this is a very topsy-turvy division. Yes. It was a battle of attrition last year, and it may be maybe not as, as pronounced where you have all these teams struggling to get to 500, but 
I still think there's going to be some attrition in this division. Yeah, and I look at the Giants and Daniel Jones. They got help for him. They got him more weapons. Saquon Barkley obviously would be back if the offensive line can hold up. They've got a chance, and this is a real prove-it year for Daniel Jones. So I look at that for value play, and I, and I do see a plus 500. I, I go, man, 5-1? to one? I might roll the mm-hmm. dice on the Giants there because just nobody seems to repeat. I do like what Ron Rivera is doing in the nation's capital. That defense is something to behold. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, I actually like Taylor Heineke a little bit better at the quarterback position, the kid at ODU, my neck of the woods, the 757. Uh, so it looks like they're going to give the job to Fitzpatrick. And look, he, he is what he is, and he's not going to scare you. Yes, he's, he's a professional, and we know he's a smart guy. But uh, I don't like that value for the Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team at plus 300. Uh, very quickly, the Packers at minus 140 with the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers. Is there any way you would make that play? This is a stay away from me because I, I, the Bears may end up going with the rookie, Justin Fields, early in the season, and I don't know if they're ready really for that. The Vikings, the defense still needs to be revealed. I think the offense is very solid. They can run the ball. I think Kirk Cousins is better than he's given credit for, but still, it's the Packers' division to lose. Lions, obviously, in a total rebuild. Yeah, the defending champs, Tampa Bay, minus 155 to win the South, and the Rams, plus 175, a wide-open West, it looks like, out there. When we come back here on the Green Zone, updates everything going on in the world of sports with West Reynolds. I am Dave Ross. We're back in just a moment. with a risk-free first wager up to $600 at BetMGM. Just sign up using the bonus code VEASAN600 to get in on the game with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use the promo code VEASAN600 to make your first bet risk-free up to $600. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes, excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, in Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789 in Indiana. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Dave Ross here at Circa, and Wes Reynolds is over at Mandalay Bay. And, Wes, it looks like this thing is going to end well for the Clippers in Game 7. They have stretched that lead out right now on Dallas. And keeping an eye, as we've done all day, Kyle Morikawa now with two holes to play, a one-shot lead over Patrick Cantlay and Scotty Scheffler. Uh, but, again, that, it's been the tale of two halves here for Luka Doncic. Only six points so far in the second half, 29 in the first half. I guess maybe... That would be the fear that he had to do so much. And they were down eight at the break, even with 29. That maybe running out a little bit of steam here in the second half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Luca, you could kind of tell going in that fourth quarter, 
running a little bit on fumes here and running out of gas here, trying to get some of his teammates maybe to step up. And look, credit to Dallas here and the fact that they did take this to seven. The Clippers played with fire, not going to get totally burned here because of the fact that, you know, I made the observation Hey, you know, you're tanking to face this guy at 22 years old who's just <laughs> scratching the surface of how good that he can be. So, you know, you wonder uh, uh, how this is going to turn out. Clipper or Dallas may still have one more run down 14 here with about seven and a half minutes to go. Dorian Finney-Smith, 16 points, uh, has been a good guy for the second half of the Mavericks. Rain's starting to come down now at Muirfield Village as I look out yes. of the corner of my oh, eye. Man. We are starting to get it pouring here with about two holes left to play here. As you mentioned, Colin Marikawa with the one-shot lead. Basically here at BetMGM, if you want to get involved on the in play here at the Memorial, only three guys to choose from because this is a three-guy tournament with – uh, Reed and Grace uh, a little bit too far back in fourth and fifth, respectively. Colin Morikawa, plus 110. Pat Cantlay, plus 160. Scotty Scheffler at plus 310. Scheffler currently is one group ahead. I believe he is playing the 18th hole right now, and Morikawa and Cantlay still have to play the 17th and the 18th. So low man in the clubhouse is Reed at eight under par. Grace can pass him with the par on the 18th, but nobody close to these three guys. So now all of a sudden we see the rain come down when the money's on the line here at <laughs> Muirfield Village and uh, be interesting to see what the delay is going to be. I don't have the audio, but but that rain is coming down and it's coming down hard in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, right I don't now. think the heavy stuff's coming down for quite some time, Your Excellency. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is insane. The, the way that yesterday ended and now the way today is ending at Jack's place. I, I guess if there's no lightning, you know, Wes, you could play it through. The guys are still out there right now. But this is just taking a turn for the bizarre as they the come bishop, down. The bishop would absolutely play through. <laughs> I, think game. I just think you got it. It's a nice hat on you, though. <laughs> uh, you know, only three Major League Baseball games uh, tomorrow as we look ahead here, Wes, on the docket, a very short docket here with the Marlins at the Red Sox starting up that new series, Royals and Angels. But the one that catches my eye again is the Cubs. They stay out west against San Diego. Advert Alzale has been kind of a revelation a little bit for the Cubs this year as he goes up against Ryan Weathers. Uh, is there anything there that intrigues you from a betting perspective? Because Alzale, to be honest, he was fighting for that fifth spot for the Cubs. He's their hardest tosser that they have with any velocity, and he's been maybe their most trusted so far this season. Yeah, he certainly has. I'll start with the weather side because he is a good young prospect for San Diego that they're kind of bringing along slowly. He's made seven starts, but he's only gone 27 and a third combined in those starts. ERA, very respectable at 230, XFIP 490. He's been a little bit lucky in terms of when we talk about that batting average balls in play. 208, which is astonishingly low. Usually about three is what you're looking for. Is kind of the average in terms of starting pitchers within Major League Baseball. But in his own right, Albert Alzelay. People are thinking maybe he's due for a fade a little bit in terms of uh, his XFIP, which I believe, or not XFIP, is batting average balls in play, which are kind of down in the 220s. But Alzale, I think, has been a very crafty pitcher. Ten starts, four and four. Doesn't really walk a lot of guys. Walks less than two a game. So walk rate is down. Batting average balls in play is 227. ERA and his fielding independent pitching are about relatively the same. So... I guess what I would look at, and it's going to be pending here. By the way, the Cubs still in action now. Bottom of the fifth, four to three up on Johnny Cueto in San Francisco. So 
when you look at this at this going forward, and the Padres, by the way, down two nothing in the bottom of the fifth, Stroman throwing a shutout against Chris Paddock. Where I might look at least on first glance is on the over at seven and a half. Nothing that I've bet so far. Weather's about a dollar twenty favorite. Take back even money on Alzale. I think that's about right. But maybe that luck factor when I talk about that that BABIP or whatever you want to call it, batting mm-hmm. average balls in play, might play out here. And that would lean me to the over, but no bet for me so far. We know the Red Sox are going to wrap up that series with the Yankees in Yankee Stadium uh, today. Then they go home. Nick Pavetta takes to the bump against the Marlins. It just feels like a weird spot when you have all the emotion of playing mm-hmm. the Yankees, and I know they say momentum is only as good as the next day's starting pitcher. What do you make of Pavetta in that spot? Could it be a natural letdown for the Red Sox if you're trying to get some plus action on the Marlins? Yeah, Nick Pavetta has been very solid this year. I've mentioned how the Red Sox have been able to hang around and why the market may be a little bit lukewarm on the Red Sox because they maybe don't believe that the the Nick Pavettas and the Eduardo Rodriguez's and the Martin Perez's are going to continue to pitch pretty solid baseball, which they have done all season. This is always a tough spot when you go to Sunday night baseball because when you come off that emotional series, they've already taken the first two and could potentially sweep the Yankees. Even at worst, they're going to go two out of three here. So you wonder, you know, what the Red Sox having to play the next day are going to have a little bit left in the tank here. And Pablo Lopez has been very solid, 282 ERA, 351 on the XFIP. Marlins got a lot of good young arms with Lopez, with Alcantara, with Trevor Rogers. So Marlins got some good pitching. The problem is they don't hit. And your pitchers have to be so darn precise when you're looking at this. But seeing at least from the opener, obviously the lines are not up everywhere. Currently at BetMGM, minus 160 on the Bosox and plus 135 take back on the Fish. You're probably going to see a little bit of movement, at least in the overnight, to the Marlins, whether the Sox win or lose, just because of what you mentioned, Dave, in terms of coming off that situation where, you know, you put a lot into that Sox-Yankees series, and then what do you have left with the lowly Marlins coming in that I believe finally broke an eight-game losing streak with the win over Pittsburgh today, 3-1. to So they finally got a win. So maybe you get the Marlins play a little bit loose here in the fact that, okay, we finally stopped that losing streak. We got that monkey off our back. So Marlins would be the play for me, at least initially at first glance. Yeah, Wes, you know, uh, looking back at the Memorial very quickly, there is no gambling at Bushwood. You could still gamble, though, right now. Patrick Cantlay just made a birdie on 17 to tie Colin Morikawa. Uh, Brennan Grace is your clubhouse leader at 10 under par. So if you want to hop in right now, uh, boy, you got a two-horse race with Scotty Scheffler on uh, the 18th hole. They are playing through the rain right now at Muirfield Golf Course. So it's going to be very interesting as that comes down the stretch. It looks like the Mavs are going to come up a little bit short here in their comeback effort against the Clippers. The Clippers still holding them at bay as we wind that down very quickly uh, before we, we sign off here for the day. Uh, the Nuggets and Suns tomorrow night, game one. I, I got a sense, Wes, that you're leaning towards the under in that, in the pace of that game, and maybe Chris Paul uh, just kind of keeping the young kids at bay. Let's not run up and down. Let's go ahead and take our time. Is that the, the slight lean? 
Yeah, that would be where I would be going. I'm not going to bet it until tomorrow. I'm kind of going to want to see where maybe the line moves overnight. But that would be, I think, the way that this is going to play out. I would think that the Phoenix Suns, they want to make this shorthanded Denver backcourt play a lot of defense and play some longer possessions. So that would at least be how I think it's going to play out. Obviously, taking unders is always a dangerous precedent yes. uh, in, in the NBA. But look, like Tim Doyle said yesterday, playoff defense is different than regular season defense so what I'm likely going to do is I'm likely going to go ahead and bet the Suns once it gets under two dollars I think two dollars is the market low and I think that's probably still worth a play in the series but if it gets under two dollars absolutely all in on Phoenix for the series and no James Harden of course for game two against the Bucks. I know if you're a Bucks backer you got to think this is the spot where they even up the series what do you make of game two here in Brooklyn your first glance ahead yeah, this is the time where the Bucks got to take the opportunity here. You always worry if you're betting against the team that has lost a star player. You get that fallen hero rally around the family <laughs> theory that you can get here with Harden. I still did like the Bucks in this series, so uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to bet it individually because I'm already pot committed, really, in terms of the series price. So I'm not really getting any value from the price standpoint. As we flip to the memorial now, as we head off the air, we're going to 18. Patrick Cantlay, Colin Marikawa all tied up on the 72nd hole. Wes, I need a winner from you because those two, two horses going to 18, who would you take right now if I made you wager it? Well, I would lean to Morikawa because he's been nails on the greens today. I know the putter is always shaky, but he was really the favorite in terms of the stat guys coming in. Led the, led the tour on approach, led the tour on tee to green over the last 24 rounds. So if I need to bank on somebody and put a dart from the fairway on the second shot, it would be Morikawa. And he made a great about a 10-footer for par on 17 to, to hold on to a share of that lead. Uh, so we'll see what happens at 18. Hey, Wes, really enjoyed it the last couple of days. Thank you very much for making me feel at home. And also to Matt Everett, our producer, and to Tim Murray the first two nights that I was here on the nightcap. Uh, enjoy the rest of your betting day. Bet Center is next right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. 